startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRadio.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, as well as the world's first 24-7 internet radio station dedicated to startups and tech companies. Wherever you're listening or to this interview or watching it, make sure to hit the like and the subscribe button here. This time, I do have an interview with Jim here. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, Joe. And yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, we actually have been in touch via LinkedIn, by the way, a very good way to uh, get in touch with me. Um, and it turned out you are a British guy, a headhunter, working for startups, living in Frankfurt. So I thought, hmm, so many great ideas how to do an interview with you. Um, but let's get started a little bit on the story what brought you to Germany, to Frankfurt? It wasn't Brexit, right? No, it wasn't. Um, although that, that brought its own uh, challenges that I've uh, recently had to negotiate, um, as I'm sure a lot of British people have who were living in Germany. Um, I came to, I've been in Germany now, I came here about uh, end of 2009, and it's um, it's quite a sort of unusual um, sort of journey, really. I... Um, so I, I came here for work. I think that's a lot of, you know, there's the same as a lot of people would come to Frankfurt, really. If you're, you're coming to Germany um, and you'd not sort of had any knowledge of Frankfurt, I think you probably end up at other locations first. You know, Berlin, naturally, maybe, maybe Cologne, um, Munich. Um, Frankfurt wouldn't be a natural, natural choice. Um, but I think that's because a lot of people don't know it, myself included. So I came here for, for business. My company um, were starting up a new, uh, they were expanding from, from the UK to Germany. And they, they asked me to come out here and, and help build up a team here. And I, I've been to Germany on holiday um, or, or backpacking actually about five years before um, and, and really fell in love with it. I had a great time in a number of cities. I, I was in Berlin, I was in Munich. I was in Weimar, I was in Eisenach, um, I was in Hamburg, um, and it, I just had a really good feeling about it. I had a, you know, people were really friendly. Um, I, I did German at school uh, to a certain degree, so I could sort of, you know, order things and uh, sort of navigate around and realize how good everybody's English was in, in, in Germany. Um, and how how good were your curse words in German at this time? Oh, they weren't great, but I mean, oh, there's there's definitely books that will help you with that, uh, of which I have, um, and uh, it's always a great way to to start an evening to learn a, a, another language's uh, um, funny jokes and, and and funny words that you shouldn't say to people um, in, uh, in in sentences. In, in terms of uh, German funny words you can actually say what would be uh, one of your favorites uh, for many people it's Eichhörnchen a squirrel oh yeah I like I like um, 
Vaishai or Vamdusha. These have always been ones that I found particularly funny. The little translation would be like soft egg or uh, somebody who only takes warm showers. That means they're soft, right? Exactly. I just there's such there's such cute little sort of insults that uh, that are they just. Uh, They just make me smile whenever I... Whenever There's I another one, a Schattenparker, meaning a person who only parks his or her car in the shadows yeah. that it doesn't get warm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So many, so many great things that, 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 that you can learn here by uh, being here a longer period of time. For everybody who's seriously studying German down here in the show notes, we'll, I'll spell them out for you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I... Um, you know, studied, uh, you know, I traveled around in, in Germany um, a little bit. So I had a had a grounding of it. And then um, I, my plan was only to come and, and sort of work here for a couple of years. But um, I think as usually is the case with people, um, you know, they, they fall in love. Uh, and that, you know, meant that I stayed in Frankfurt longer than I had planned to. But, you know, it's now come to a point over 10 years that, you know, I'm settled here. I have an apartment. I have two beautiful daughters, um, and happy here. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, the reason I came to Frankfurt, um, irrationally enough, was that I loved Berlin so much that I kind of had this plan of coming to Frankfurt, using it as a stepping stone to go to Berlin. And 10 years later, you know, I'm still in Frankfurt. I don't actually want to live in Berlin anymore. Um, and I'm very happy here. So it's, uh, it just shows you, you know, sometimes, you know, take, take risks you know, take a chance and, you know, they, they have a really good way of, of, of working out for you in the end, you know. Uh, it reminds me of a story. I was talking to uh, an Italian guy at one point when I was in Singapore and he said, you know, I, I was originally sent here as a second, uh, at a secondment for my company. Um, I, I was, I was, uh, I was planning to stay 12 maximum 18 months that was 22 years ago now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly i mean time time does fly uh i think anyway but um i think it 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 just shows you yes you, you know you can kind of some you know your your desires and, and your sort of goals can change over time and, and sometimes you you need to do something else to sort of realize that you know to, to have another experience to kind of challenge what you you thought you wanted um, and it's okay for things to change. That's Before we get into serious business here, talking about headhunting and recruiting, um, I would be curious because I always tend to say that Frankfurt has some very beautiful places. Unfortunately, it's very good at hiding them. Would you agree? And what, what would be like one or two of your favorite places? Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think you're, I think you can you could say that about Frankfurt because I think you only sort of see the you know you only see the city center and I think when you come to Frankfurt you think oh this is supposed to be a um you know the financial capital of Germany and there's all these skyscrapers and either you sort of impressed by it um or you know or you don't or you don't like it um and you know there are lots of you know green areas in 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 Frankfurt um you know lots of parks lots of you know, places to, to, to take your kids. Um, I mean, hidden, hidden gems. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting one. I mean, I don't know if it's a hidden gem, but a great place to go, I think is and particularly at the moment is 
you know, if you're a sports fan, you know, to go and, you know, go to the, what is now the, you know, Deutsche Bank arena, go and see Eintracht Frankfurt play, right? If, you know, coming from England, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, hold the English football in high regard, okay, but the fan culture here in Germany is something completely different. It's, it's, you know, I, I remember going to the, you know, see Eintracht play and, you know, all the banners before the games and the standing and the chanting and the flares and the colour and noise. It's such an experience. Um, and, and I definitely recommend it. If you're interested in, in sports, I think you have to go there. You have to experience that. Um, that's that I put as number one for a sports fan. Um, number two, I think you've got to you've got to go and just sit on the mine um, and you know just just sit there with friends and relax. You know, get yourself a. I'm talking cliches now, but let's go for it. We're in Frankfurt. You know, get yourself a, a you know an Abelvoy, the the apple wine, apple wine. And you know, just sit on the sit on the side of the uh, sit on the side of the mine and just just let the time pass. Just enjoy yourself. Um, I think that's a beautiful place to 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 go to. To give you some time to relax, I would also like to share that Frankfurt um, has a beautiful like circle of parks around the innermost city. It's the place where they used to have. Uh, the city walls and actually it's only interrupted in one place this uh like this park um it's uh the old opera a very beautiful um uh, opera house that is not the venue of the opera right now it has a new venue but actually you can uh have uh um it's a place where you would go for classic concerts and um more uh, modern concerts for example i have seen their um west side story um summertime by gershwin and uh katie melua okay okay yeah i've i've not not been there um but if we're talking i mean where where a, a nice place to see music is if in in the summer for for concerts sometimes is um the Palmengarten is a lovely place to go to and i i went there a lot in my first few years um perfect place for a first for dates i think um to to take someone uh, there's a lovely uh, little lake there and you can rent uh, rowing boats and row out there i was terrible at rowing uh, almost fell in Uh, but uh, I think she had a good time. Anyway, she later we're still we're still together and have children together, so it, I guess it went well. Um, but that's you know um, the, it's a, the bot botanical gardens really of Frankfurt, and you know some beautiful um, you know sort of plants and and, and uh, trees there, and uh, a very tranquil place to to spend a nice kind of Saturday or Sunday. And the interesting stuff that. I found uh, it's a very beautiful botanical garden. And if you walk around, you only see trees. And then you uh, take a right turn and you see the trees. You are on a hill and then you see all the skyline as well. Inter interesting exactly. combination. Exactly. And there is actually a, um, a little area for there's uh, sort of an amphitheater area where they do have concerts. I think Rufus Wainwright actually um, played there once. Very nice. Yes. So Frankfurt had, has a lot of nice places. It's unfortunately good at hiding them. Um, actually, uh, Frankfurt also hid you from me for quite some time. But um, we finally managed to connect on LinkedIn. And um, you are actually based here in Frankfurt, but you're headhunter 
focusing on check um but from your uh from your cv on linkedin i can at least see that you've been a headhunter for quite some time how did you get from a history major to headhunter to frankfurt to start your own business thank you that's a very yeah it's a it's an unusual journey i mean first of all the history degree i mean we used to say on the course you know there's no you know, there's no future in it, right? And and what can you do with a history degree? You go into, you know, you go into teaching. Um, but I think the, so I didn't do it with a view of, you know, what this would lead to in, in terms of a career. I did it because I enjoyed it and I wanted to um, pursue something that I enjoyed. And I think that is important still in life, you know, to do something that you enjoy, otherwise you won't do it well. Um, so with that, I actually, um, I actually then went to um, I then went to, to to live in New York for about a year, um, and there I was actually working for. I, I interned at record label. I was working for a startup in e-commerce that was selling. It was like an online music retailer, um, and then I came back from there, back to my my hometown around Nottingham. And obviously, to go from sort of New York to, uh, to to Nottingham, you know, a huge culture shock, um, and just weren't the opportunities, you, you know, um, because it, it being such a small city that Nottingham is, um, and so I was really struggling as to what to do. And I think this is classical of of most people that are going to recruitment is they don't plan to go into it; you fall into it. Nobody grows up dreaming wanting to be a recruiter. Um, you, you sort of get approached and you, uh, you either like it and you stay or you don't like it and, you know, you, you, you move on. You know, there is quite a high churn rate of people that go into the industry and then leave the industry. You know, I think it's about 80% of um, recruiters don't make it past their first year um, for, for companies in the UK. Um, or at least that was, those were the figures at the time I was uh, working there, and when I when I went there, I was um, I was working in tech really. So I started off, uh, I was doing sort of Oracle um, technology, so a lot of you know database um, development as well, and sort of ERP BI tools. As Oracle was buying up lots of other um, BI tools, and, and then was also sort of. Uh, that's where my sort of interest in, in tech started. And then I was doing that for about two and a half years and I got this opportunity to come to Germany. And it just so happened that our business in Germany was actually, it didn't have an IT function. It was, uh, we were the, the, the sort of the, the rollout there was in the life science space. So I started, uh, I switched from doing tech to, to life sciences and was doing that for a number of years in Frankfurt. Um, and enjoyed it. It was something different. And again, you know, different skill sets. So, you know, completely different to the skills and clients that I was working with in, in tech. But again, a great way of seeing, you know, recruiting in a different country uh, for different skill sets, different clients. So, you know, help broaden my skills as a recruiter and give me greater depth and range across a number of different verticals and industries and also countries as well. Um uh, because from Germany, sometimes we had projects in, I remember doing a project in Italy. We did a project in Denmark. Uh, we were working with clients in Switzerland. So again, had to sort of 
attract talents to these different locations sometimes that I didn't even know anything about myself. Um, you know, we had to we had to figure out, okay, how do you work compliantly in Denmark? What is the, you know, the sort of the expat tax rate in Denmark that makes it attractive for people to go there? Um, then I I kind of felt being at that company for about ten years, I sort of felt something was missing and wanted a new challenge. And also, my sort of interest in tech was calling me again, and. I, I then took this opportunity. I moved companies to um, join a, uh, a smaller company that were more focused around kind of using digital technology. So things like um, doing video job adverts, doing uh, getting video CV applications from candidates, using things like um, a sort of crowdsourcing techniques. And that was, you know, it just caught my my sort of attention for digital and and love at the right time and I went and worked for them um, but about last year obviously with you know with the pandemic and having so much time working at home to think about things I kind of realized there was more of a sort of transformation that was happening within me and that I was started to question okay well what is it that I you know what do I enjoy Right. What do I want to spend more of my time doing and what do I currently do? And so I went through a number of, you know, went through this evaluation process and identified the things that really made me happy. And these are the these are the values that I, I have. And I put these on my website and I talk about these in my business. And, you know, these are connection. These are achievement. It's creativity, discovery and it's respect. And these five things are sacred for me and i realized that by being self-employed by by starting my own initially going self-employed with a view to incorporate um at the end of this year i these would would allow me to to live these values and achieve the the goals and spend more time doing the things that i wanted to do if i went down that route so i then at the end of last year, decided to leave the company. And then since the beginning of this year, then I've been self-employed. And because my love is still in, my heart's still in tech, that's where I wanted to to focus. And what I want to do is I want to build a, you know, I, helping people and this connection is very important to me. And so I want to help people. And who can I help the best? My community, right? I, I can help startups in Berlin. I can help startups in Hamburg. I can find the talent. I've done it before with not even living in the country. But I really want to help my community and the people around me. So I think I can, as you said, I know I know Frankfurt very well and I know how it is to 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 move to Frankfurt and to become a German citizen, you know, and to set up as a freelancer and soon to become set up a business here. And I can help people navigate that landscape in Frankfurt as well as knowing how to attract those people. So I think that's more of a value add um than than you know helping a community that's somewhere else so that's why my focus is frankfurt that's why it's tech and i think startups are probably the ones that need the most help because you know particularly if they're here in frankfurt people want to move to berlin you know berlin is already a you know one in the, in the top 10 startup cities uh, globally it, it's known but you know frankfurt isn't as well known for the startup scene so it, it's going to require someone that knows the, um, you know, the landscape and knows the city 
a bit better to help companies attract people to come here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I I can totally see that. Um, again, Frankfurt is very good at hiding the the, the, the bright spots in terms of uh, tech, but actually, I do believe there is like a big cluster of startups coming from cities like Darmstadt or Mannheim, a little bit south to, to the city of Frankfurt, who are really promising um, the people who subscribe to our podcast for quite some time may know like 10, 15 names from the startup scene down there in Darmstadt. They have a very good technical university um, and they, they're really really good at what they're teaching and the people getting out there really know what they're doing and um, a lot of them is looking at starting their own company and so how do you then help uh, let's say um, I'm a guy coming from whatever to Frankfurt to set up shop here with the company uh, we're not talking about the incorporation that is a topic left uh, topic left to somebody else but uh we talking i have the company i'm working there how do we recruit a tech team here how would that work because my understanding is you're uh recruiting you by yourself right now at the end of the year the company uh, the incorporated company is called rebel soul recruitment where does the name come from and uh do you only recruit rebels ha, yes uh good good question um i so the the name comes from um it came comes from a book that uh inspired me last year so as i was you know sitting at home uh and and, and reading um and having time to reflect you know i i read a great book by a lady called uh, a woman called um, Shelley Paxton called Solbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to uh, living your best life. And it inspired me. I, I kind of had this, as I said, I felt that I'd been a rebel. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely wanted, and, and for me, I want to sort of get a clear definition of a rebel for, you know, rebel for me, you know, is somebody that wants to, <laughs> that, 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 that is really interesting. I wanted to get a clear definition of a rebel. Isn't a rebel somebody who doesn't just follow mainstream? I would be curious how to define a rebel because I would define it him or her uh, the other way around, like not mainstream. Yeah, I, not necessarily. I, I would say that uh, for me, it's somebody that wants to do things differently with the view to making it better so it's it's the end goal for me is not uh, you know i see a rebel as somebody that as an innovator somebody that wants to improve something not someone that's doing something different just for the sake of it you know that's not you know that's you know rebelling for that's a rebel without a cause and that's not what i am and it's not what i think a lot of candidates are um you know we're not and this is the thing i think people see have a Some people have a negative connotation with the word rebel and see it as troublesome. Um, you know, they don't know how to, they think that they're, they're just challenging the ideas because they're being difficult. And that's not really what a lot of people are doing. You know, I'm sure there is a small minority, yes, but I think, you know, trust in that, I think people are essentially good. And I think essentially people want to, to make things better. And they're, they're just trying to see if there's a better way. And that's what essentially I believe a rebel is doing. 
and I'm trying to build a community of these these people that care enough to be different and to do something differently and make it better and match them with employers where they feel empowered, where they feel valued for the innovation that they can bring rather than in a company where they're they're having their sort of um, curiosity hammered out of them and and sort of asked to to be a you know follow the uh, accept the status quo rather than than try and change things um, so i hope i hope i've got my definition uh, across and as i said the also for me rebel soul was not only the book but i also wanted to incorporate something that um my kind of love of music really you know soul music um rebel yes rebel rebel david bowie um one of the greatest innovators um in music in the 20th century has to be said never stood still always changing um and i wanted that to shine through in the you know in the name and also the logo that this is my brand this is who i am and i'm you know i'm not saying you know i'm I'm trying to be inclusive. If companies want to work with me, I'm more than happy. If you're a big company and you want me to help attract talent, we can do that. But it needs to be, I need to understand, you need to understand my values and they need to, um, I need to understand theirs. And it needs to be a place where the talent I'm providing feels valued. And talking about recruitment, because in the past, I always had trouble to understand why there are so many SAP recruiters. First and foremost, there's a big demand, of course. And then I understood SAP has different modules and you basically just need to find a person uh, with a module experience XY and uh, at least five years experience with that. And you just got your match. And that was, that was it. I assume helping a startup to build up a tech team isn't that easy how much like tech input would you say is required from a founder from a cto in order to enable you to start recruiting like from the technical perspective from from the technical skill perspective not necessarily from the personality that would fit into the team but from the technical skills they are demanding so are you sorry just to understand the question are you are you saying are you asking what my advice would be you know how much technical expertise the the founder should have um, themselves no no uh my, my, my question would be if the founder let's say i'm a founder i now approach you and i say okay i need tech talent uh You try to match the personality, the team spirit, like the fit in the corporate in the corporate culture. But how much of the other side of the technical abilities, the people you're looking for, would you need to understand in order to do a good recruitment? How much should the founder give you as an input in terms of I'm looking for SQL, uh, Java, uh, C++, whatever? Um, what what kind of level? Would you recommend like a founder put forward like for you as well as in an advertisement out there uh, when they're actually looking for people? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it depends what, what level you're looking at. You know, are you looking for um, is this going to be is this person going to be your CTO? Is this person going to be, you know, your senior engineer um, or is this going to be 
you know, sort of a junior or a, a kind of, you know, mid-level. So, you know, we can, we need to sort of uh, define that in the, in the initial consultation call that we need to sort of work out what level um, of, of skills this person needs to have to, to bring. Um, you know, then I would say, and also we need to make sure, and this is key in a startup as well, that your salary expectations are in line with the market. Because, you know, if you want to hire a senior, um, you know, a senior Java engineer, and you're, you know, only paying 40,000 euros, you're not going to find that person. Or, you know, if you do find that person, they're not going to stay very long, because when they do come here, and they realise what the market pays, they're going to leave. So, you know, we need to set the expectation, I need to set the expectations and make sure that we align from the very beginning. Um, then when it comes to, you know, the C, the, the founder, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be a technical specialist themselves. And that's, and I understand that, just as that I don't expect them to be recruitment experts themselves. That's not their job. You know, they've got lots of other um, responsibilities and obligations that they need to do. And that's where I bring a solution to them, which is a plug and play solution. So I'm, I'm giving them a, um, a hiring solution that's value-based and data-based. So what we do is we customize it to their needs, that we identify at the beginning what their what their values are or the attributes that they want to have in an employee. So the, as we said, the kind of soft skills or human skills um, that we can test for, and then I can test that in the interview process. Um, and then we have the technical side and we can, you know, I've then give them access to technical tests. They can design their own, if they want to, some companies do, they have their own, or I can give them access to technical tests whereby, you know, we send out the links to the candidates and then they, you know, they're doing a SQL challenge for, you know, 10, 30 minutes to check their, their scores there. And then based on this, I'm helping the managers, you know, the, the, the founder really make an informed decision. Okay. You said you wanted these as attributes. Okay. And this level of skills, here's the, here's the scorecard. Let's have a look. This person is ranking here on this skill, this skill, this skill, and we can. It, it's it's data driven. It's not just a gut feel. Uh, at the end of the day, the client can then decide whether they want to, you know, whether they do want to go on more of a gut feel about somebody. Uh, that's absolutely their right. But what I'm trying to do is make it more, a little bit more scientific and a bit more. Give it a bit more structure because um, at the beginning, I'm sure they they probably haven't had the time to think about these things. They just need the right talent with the right values quickly um, from someone that can attract it. For I was thinking when you've been talking, turning it into recruiting into from a gut feeling, more data driven decision is pretty good. Um, we are already talking for more than half an hour by now. And I think uh, we, we, we're not going to stress our audience much longer because you'll be coming back for an episode on uh, how to for recruiting in our entrepreneur tools. Um, but the, the question that I have right now is what are like a, a few of the big mistakes you are seeing in terms of startup recruiting right now? Um, in the past, I've I've talked to another headhunter, to William, and he said he talked about the importance of your first hires uh, that they make or break the startup. So, 
I would be curious what what traps the founders should avoid. What have you seen in the past? The the the, the typical mistakes founders are making. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I'd seen that. I've actually watched that episode with with William, and I think he he made a you know that is a great point, and it is a common mistake. And I think you you know he talked about choosing your values and then pursuing them relentlessly. And I think this is I've seen this happen in startups a lot of times. And you you kind of sometimes I think people are so keen to get the talent that they compromise. They compromise on certain things and it hurts them. So for example, they might take a senior, um, they might make allowances in somebody's character, in somebody's values to take that senior engineer because of his ex or her expertise. But really that person is not what the environment needs. It's not right for the culture. And then when you get, when you, you, you have problems in the culture, you're, it doesn't matter how good that person is. They're not, if they can't work together, if they, they, there's an ego, if they don't know how to work in a team, if they're not humble, problems will come. And, you know, this is why, you know, 80% of startups actually fail due to team problems, you know, so, and how frustrating is that? You know, that's, you've got the, you know, you've, you've got the, you've got the market fit, you know, you've got the market, you've got the, you've got the idea, you've got the product fit, you've got the investment, you know, you're getting traction in the market, and then you, you you know implodes because you've got the wrong people on the bus, and these are things that can be and should be avoided. I think it's it's easy to you know it's easy to go there and look. Don't get me wrong. I, I've been a manager myself, and I've I've built teams, and I've got things wrong. Right? I've I've made bad decisions by you know compromising values for you know for profit. I, I, I know it. I know it happens. But stick true to to what you're doing, to what your values are, and that will that will stand you in good stead. Once you've got that core team of people and they're good people, then you can achieve things. That are just amazing closing words for everybody who would like to learn more. Reach out to you down here in the show notes. There will be your personal LinkedIn profile as well as your company website. And um, of course, we will have you back for another episode on recruiting here on Startup Radio. Tim, it was just a pleasure having you as a guest, talking everything from history to Frankfurt to uh, tech recruiting. Uh, I didn't expect that, that to come out of the interview, but it's great the way it is. Thank you very much for being a guest here. You're welcome. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. If you are a professional looking at the European startup scene, Germany is a place you cannot miss. Fortunately for you, there is StartupRad.io, the authority on German startups. This English-only podcast brings you fresh interviews each week. Most likely, you have never heard or read anything on these startups before in English, but you will in the future. Be ahead of the curve and subscribe to StartupRad.io podcast or check for the StartupRad.io internet radio station. Check your Alexa for the StartupRad.io skill as well.